Welcome to A Cloud of Witnesses. This podcast is a ministry dedicated to encouraging unity in the body of Christ through the reading and discussion of church history. My name is Chris Perret. In our first episode, we read the introduction to Book 1 of St. Ambrose on the Holy Spirit. I pray this will be a blessing and encouragement to you. Thank you for listening. Three Books of St. Ambrose, Bishop of Milan, on the Holy Spirit. To the Emperor Gratian, Book 1. When Jerubael, as we read, was beating out wheat under an oak, he received a message from God in order that he might bring the people of God from the power of strangers into liberty. Nor is it a matter of wonder if he was chosen for grace, seeing that even then being appointed under the shadow of the Holy Cross and of the adorable wisdom in the predestined mystery of the future incarnation, he was bringing forth the visible grains of the fruitful corn from their hiding places, and was, mystically, separating the elect of the saints from the refuse of the empty chaff. For these elect, as though trained with the rod of truth, laying aside the superfluities of the old man together with his deeds, are gathered in the church as in a winepress. For the church is the winepress of the eternal fountain, since from her wells forth the juice of the heavenly vine. And Gideon, moved by that message, when he heard that, though thousands of the people failed, God would deliver his own from their enemies by means of one man, offered a kid, and according to the word of the angel, laid its flesh and the unleavened cakes upon the rock, and poured the broth upon them. And as soon as the angel touched them with the end of the staff which he bore, fire burst forth out of the rock, and so the sacrifice which he was offering was consumed, by which it seems clear that the rock was a figure of the body of Christ, for it is written, They drank of that rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ, which certainly refers not to his Godhead, but to his flesh, which watered the hearts of the thirsting people with the perpetual stream of his blood. Even at that time was it declared in a mystery that the Lord Jesus in his flesh would, when crucified, do away with the sins of the whole world, and not only the sins of the body, but the desires of the soul. For the flesh of the kid refers to sins of deed, the broth to the enticements of desire, as is written. For the people lusted an evil lust, and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? That the angel then stretched forth his staff and touched the rock, from which fire went out, shows that the flesh of the Lord, being filled with the divine spirit, would burn away all the sins of human frailty. Wherefore, also, the Lord says, I am come to send fire upon the earth. Then the man, instructed and foreknowing what was to be, observes the heavenly mysteries and therefore, according to the warning, slew the bullock destined by his father to idols, and himself offered to God another bullock seven years old, by doing which he most plainly shown that after the coming of the Lord all Gentile sacrifices should be done away, and that only the sacrifice of the Lord's passion should be offered for the redemption of the people. For that bullock was, in a type, Christ, in whom, as Isaiah said, dwelt the fullness of the seven gifts of the Spirit. This bullock Abraham also offered when he saw the day of the Lord and was glad. He it is who was offered at one time in the type of a kid, at another in that of a sheep, at another in that of a bullock, of a kid, because he is a sacrifice for sin, of a sheep, because he is an unresisting victim, of a bullock, because he is a victim without blemish. Holy Gideon then saw the mystery beforehand, 
Next, he chose out 300 for the battle, so as to show that the world should be freed from the incursion of worse enemies, not by the multitude of their number, but by the mystery of the cross. And yet, though he was brave and faithful, he asked of the Lord yet fuller proofs of future victory, saying, If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, O Lord, as thou hast said, Behold, I will put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor, and if there shall be dew on the fleece and dryness on all the ground, I shall know that thou wilt deliver the people by my hand according to thy promise. And it was so. Afterwards he asked in addition that dew should descend on all the earth and dryness be on the fleece. Someone perhaps will inquire whether he does not seem to have been wanting in faith, seeing that after being instructed by many signs he asked still more. But how can he seem to have asked as if doubting or wanting in faith, who was speaking in mysteries? He was not then doubtful, but careful, that we should not doubt. For how could he be doubtful whose prayer was effectual? And how could he have begun the battle without fear, unless he had understood the message of God? For the dew on the fleece signified the faith among the Jews, because the words of God come down like the dew. So when the whole world was parched with the drought of Gentile superstition, then came that dew of the heavenly visits on the fleece. But after that the lost sheep of the house of Israel, whom I think that the figure of the Jewish fleece shadowed forth, after that those sheep, I say, had refused the fountain of living water, the dew of moistening faith dried up in the breasts of the Jews, and that divine fountain turned away its course to the hearts of the Gentiles, whence it has come to pass that now the whole world is moistened with the dew of faith, but the Jews have lost their prophets and counselors. Nor is it strange that they should suffer the drought of unbelief, whom the Lord deprived of the fertilizing of the shower of prophecy, saying, I will command my clouds that they rain not upon that vineyard. For there is a health-giving shower of salutary grace, as David also said, He came down like the rain upon a fleece, and like drops that drop upon the earth. The divine scriptures promised us this rain upon the whole earth to water the world with the dew of the divine spirit at the coming of the Savior. The Lord then has now come, and the rain has come. The Lord has come, bringing the heavenly drops with him. And so now we drink, who before were thirsty, and with an interior draught drink in that divine spirit. Holy Gideon then foresaw this, that the nations of the Gentiles would also drink by the reception of faith, and therefore he inquired more diligently, for the caution of the saints is necessary, insomuch that also Joshua the son of Nun, when he saw the captain of the heavenly host, inquired, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? Lest, perchance, he might be deceived by some stratagem of the adversary. Nor was it without a reason that he put the fleece neither in a field nor in a meadow, but in a threshing floor, where is the harvest of the wheat. For the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few, because that, through faith in the Lord, there was about to be a harvest fruitful in virtues. Nor again was it without a reason that he dried the fleece of the Jews and put the dew from it into a basin, so that it was filled with water, yet he did not himself wash his feet in that dew. The prerogative of so great a mystery was to be given to another. He was being waited for who alone could wash away the filth of all. Gideon was not great enough to claim this mystery for himself, but the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. 
Let us then recognize in whom these mysteries are seen to be accomplished, not in holy Gideon, for they were still at their commencement. Therefore the Gentiles were surpassed, for dryness was still upon the Gentiles, and therefore did Israel surpass them, for then did the dew remain on the fleece. Let us come now to the gospel of God. I find the Lord stripping himself of his garments and girding himself with a towel, pouring water into a basin and washing the disciples' feet. That heavenly dew was this water. This was foretold, namely, that the Lord Jesus Christ would wash the feet of his disciples in that heavenly dew. And now let the feet of our minds be stretched out. The Lord Jesus wills also to wash our feet, for he says, not to Peter alone, but to each of the faithful. If I wash not thy feet, thou wilt have no part with me. Come then, Lord Jesus, put off thy garments, which thou didst put on for my sake. Be thou stripped, that thou mayest close us with thy mercy. Gird thyself for our sakes with a towel, that thou mayest gird us with thy gift of immortality. Pour water into the basin. Wash not only our feet, but also the head, and not only of the body, but also the footsteps of the soul. I wish to put off all of the filth of our frailty, so that I also may say, By night I have put off my coat, how shall I put it on? I have washed my feet, how shall I defile them? How great is that excellence! As a servant thou dost wash the feet of thy disciples. As God, thou sendest dew from heaven, nor dost thou wash the feet only, but also invitest us to sit down with thee, and by the example of thy dignity dost exhort us, saying, Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye do well, for so I am. If then I, the Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye ought also to wash one another's feet. I then wish also myself to wash the feet of my brethren. I wish to fulfill the commandment of my Lord. I will not be ashamed in myself, nor disdain what he himself did first. Good is the mystery of humility because while washing the pollutions of others, I wash away my own. But all were not able to exhaust this mystery. Abraham was, indeed, willing to wash feet, but because of a feeling of hospitality. Gideon, too, was willing to wash the feet of the angel of the Lord who appeared to him, but his willingness was confined to one. He was willing as one who would do a service, not as one who would confer fellowship with himself. This is a great mystery which no one knew. Lastly, the Lord said to Peter, What I do thou knowest not now, but shall know hereafter. This, I say, is a divine mystery which even they who will wash will inquire into. It is not, then, the simple water of the heavenly mystery whereby we attain to be found worthy of having part with Christ. There is also a certain water which we put into the basin of our soul, water from the fleece and from the book of Judges, water too from the book of Psalms. It is the water of the message from heaven. Let then this water, O Lord Jesus, come into my soul, into my flesh, that through the moisture of this rain, the valleys of our minds and the fields of our hearts may grow green. May the drops from thee come upon me, shedding forth grace and immortality. Wash the steps of my mind that I may not sin again. 
Wash the heel of my soul that I may be able to efface the curse, that I feel not the serpent's bite on the foot of my soul. But as thou thyself has bidden that those who follow thee may tread on serpents and scorpions with uninjured foot, thou hast redeemed the world, redeemed the soul of a single sinner. This is the special excellence of thy loving kindness, wherewith thou hast redeemed the whole world one by one. Elijah was sent to one widow. Elisha cleansed one. Thou, O Lord Jesus, hast at this day cleansed a thousand. How many in the city of Rome? How many at Alexandria? How many at Antioch? How many also at Constantinople? For even Constantinople has received the word of God and has received evident proofs of thy judgment. For so long as she cherished the Arian's poison in her bosom, disquieted by neighboring wars, she echoed with hostile arms around. But so soon as she rejected those who were alien from the faith, she received as a suppliant the enemy himself. The judge of kings, whom she had always been wont to fear, she buried him when dead and retains him entombed. How many, then, hast thou cleansed at Constantinople? How many, lastly, at this day in the whole world? Damasus cleansed not. Peter cleansed not. Ambrose cleansed not. Gregory cleansed not. For ours is the ministry, but the sacraments are thine. For it is not in man's power to confer what is divine, but it is, O Lord, thy gift and that of the Father. As thou hast spoken by the prophets, saying, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and their sons and their daughters shall prophesy. This is that typical dew from heaven. This is that gracious rain. As we read, a gracious rain dividing for his inheritance. For the Holy Spirit is not subject to any foreign power or law, but is the arbiter of his own freedom, dividing all things according to the decision of his own will to each as we read, severally as he wills. Thank you for listening. Next week we'll join together and read the first chapter of St. Ambrose on the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless you and keep you always.